Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Here's the thing. People define power in all sorts of ways. For some, money is power. For others, influence Uh, Like while we're recording remotely during the pandemic, uh, you've probably from Noel and Matt and myself heard noise in the background that we we could not control. I've got some people building a staircase behind my place right now. And um, having watched the staircase being built from scratch is fun, but it is loud. So if you hear any banging, everything's okay. Uh, They're just trying to build a staircase and we don't have the power to stop them yet. I choose to interpret building a staircase as a metaphor of some kind, like, you know, attaining transcendence. You know, we're building a staircase to to heaven, like in that Led Zeppelin song. You know what a staircase is really providing you guys? Mm. Access. Yes. Yeah. For many people, power takes the form of access. There's an excellent Reddit thread you can read if you're, if you're familiar with Reddit where someone breaks down 
the difference uh, in a day-to-day life of a billionaire versus a multimillionaire. And after a certain point, it entirely comes down to access. You can just like if you are, you know, the, the extreme version would be Jeff Bezos level and you want to talk to Bill Gates, you can just tell someone you want to talk to Bill Gates and then you'll have Bill on the phone. You're both billionaires. You have that access. But regardless of how you define power, society is to a large degree going to be defined by who has access to what. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking resources, social contracts, or just where you can physically go. I was thinking about, you know, most people's, I'm, I feel like it's safe to assume most people's first experience with the idea of a restricted area, the one you personally remember on a, on a microcosmic level, is going to be something like this. Do you guys have a distant memory of childhood uh, uh, when you were maybe in a place of business and you saw a door that just said private or employees only? I remember a door that said pirate. What was oh, that was behind that door. Yeah. For me, it was uh, always at the the bookstore or like the uh, the video store. There was always this one like beaded curtain in the back that said "No one under twenty one allowed," and I was like, "What's behind there?" I eventually found out, you know. But then the internet came along and it was rendered kind of irrelevant. But it was definitely a thing that occurred to my childhood brain. Oh, you know what, my. My grandmother, it's weird that you say this, and I never, this, man, I'm having like flashback. My grandmother had a room in her condo that I was not allowed to go into. Oh, it had a, a blue big lock situ- on it. A blue beard situation. Is this a true story? No. Oh, oh, man. Well, <laughs> well, we'll cut the part where you say why no. Are you, why, are you, why are you toying with our emotions like this, Matt? So, it, it is true, though. I think for many people listening to the show today, you have inevitably run into some some barrier, whether social or physical, something that you could not breach, uh, unless, of course, you are an immensely powerful person and you see us. There are people in the world, it's true, who can be walking into a business, see a sign that says employees only, and then just buy the business. And then say, well, now I'm I'm kind of an employee. Let me in. It's but just th- to open that door. <laughs> yeah, but those people are very rare compared to the rest of the population. And the idea of exclusion goes much, much further than that. The truth is this. Whether you are a president or a peasant, an upstanding citizen, a hardened criminal, or even, even a billionaire in some cases, there are multiple places on this planet that you will for one reason or another, simply never be allowed to visit. And should you dare to break these taboos, there will be consequences up to and including, in some cases, death. That's the subject of our episode today, the world's strangest restricted areas. Here are the facts. I could not be snarky in the notes. I love the title of this. There should be a Dr. Seuss book named, Oh, the Places You Can't Go. I would buy that. Let's give those high school graduates some like realistic expectations. Give them both books. (laughs) And you just list out all of the military bases for every country, unless you are a member of that military or some kind of extreme diplomat. (laughs) Extreme diplomacy. Is that like an X Games type situation? Oh, yeah, it is. It is. It's the UN, but with arm wrestling and I think a little MMA. But (laughs) here's the thing. 
over the centuries, especially in the recent era, human beings have been banned from visiting certain regions or sites across the planet. Before we get into the very weird stuff, and there is a plethora of very weird stuff, it is important to note that often the reasons for these bans aren't sinister or nefarious or conspiratorial. They're actually for pretty wholesome reasons. Yeah, at least according to the official story, right? There it is. <laughs> so uh, an example is, God, immediately I see this and I think of sparkling water. It's not LaCroix Cave. It's Lascaux Cave, I believe. Seems yeah, like a Lascaux soft, Cave. Yeah, Lascaux Cave. That's in France. Um, and it has been closed to the general public since 1963. But it's not to hide some kind of, you know, clandestine, super secret military government operation. Uh, instead, what it's meant to do is protect and preserve cave paintings um, that are that are found inside of this cave, uh, which are over 17,000 years old. Um, preserving that history is probably not too much of a stretch for most of us to be OK with, I would say. Yeah, unless some of those cave paintings are of, you know, the ancestors that came from Mars mm -hmm. a million years ago, yeah. B.C., that were contacted <laughs> by the CIA. Okay. In, in paint that's composed of elements that don't exist on the periodic table. Or, or mystical runes of some mm -hmm. sort, maybe a different era, but there, there, there are possibilities of, of nefarious uh, cover-ups here. But I think for the most part, this one seems on the up and up. Yeah, this the, there are many places like this. You know, there are sites of ancient human habitation or activity. And knowing what we know about modern humans, allowing tourists to those sites will inevitably result in their degradation, either through like looting or someone writing, you know, uh, Tommy T-Bone was here. <laughs> some ancient, uh, some ancient Gobekli Tepe kind of place, or it'll just be the consequence of completely well-intentioned people like who want to touch stuff and put their uh, nasty human oils and excretions on things. That's why you can't Ew. just rub every painting in the museum. They they really tend to frown upon that. Uh, the the docents is that what they're called? Basically, like docents are like museum bouncers. You know, they have to have a certain gravitas to fill that role. Otherwise, you just walk all over them, right? I love museums. It's one of the only things I miss from before the pandemic. Like, mm. I, I, and it's always fun when you're in a museum because some of the most well dressed people are the volunteers who are there to make sure you're not just like, ooh, good having a synesthesia moment rubbing these paintings. And, and it's, <laughs> I think you can tell I've, I've been kicked out of some museums, but the, as long the, as they're uh, not metal paints, we're okay. Right. Right. You're right, Matt. But oh. uh, it, it seems like a good job, doesn't it? You get, Oh yeah. I, I don't know if you get paid or if everybody's volunteer, but you go from four to eight hours or so, and you just hang out with some of the most meaningful art in the world. And just, you know? all you got to do is watch some people. And just check for sketch. That's all. Check for sketch. <laughs> I love but, it. You know, there's a museum. Let's say this. There's a museum-like place that is completely off limits uh, that exists way out in the middle of nowhere in Svalbard. It's a museum-like place. And I only say that because, no, it's actually not museum-like. It's really just a storage facility that's super cool. Yeah, and it's definitely not public storage it's storage <laughs> for the public of the future mm -hmm. which we are not that is why we cannot visit the doomsday vault in svalbard uh it 
You've heard of it before, especially if you listen to this show. It's the repository for thousands and thousands of seeds. It's a flora version of Noah's Ark, essentially. And this is the one that inspired the uh, Nabisco or, or whatever company to make a um, Oreo vault nearby. Yes, yes. that's correct. <laughs> and uh, and hopefully more people will get on board with uh, this kind of preservation. Uh, the the idea is solid. They say, what if things get even worse than they are now? Uh, what if some crops or uh, some plants are completely eradicated? This is our way to bring them back. It's a brilliant idea, and it makes sense that not everybody can visit. It's yeah. um, you're not you're not absolutely banned. There are ways to get in, but you have to have a compelling reason, and uh, it you basically you need to have expertise or be the people who make sure that the storage is working, that the yeah. climate controls are working. Or be with the AP, the Associated Press or something, and you're specifically doing an article on it. Sometimes I've seen they'll let people in. Yeah, press pass, or documentary or something. But then there's another another wholesome, somewhat wholesome example would be uh, Surtsey Island, which is also far north. It's in Iceland. This is interesting. A lot of people forget this. Earth is a living thing, right? And it's it's going through its David Bowie-esque changes all the time, and they don't always make the news. Surtsey Island is one of the newest islands on the planet. People watched this island just, you know, happen uh, yep. from 1963, 1967. A series of volcanic eruptions turned ocean into land. And how cool is that? That means... That means that this place, if you don't immediately ruin it with uh, Oreo c container wrappers <laughs> from the from the nearby vault, and people um, who show up to the island just rubbing stuff. That's how I picture people now after researching this. But but yeah, if you if you can prevent this new island from being uh, yeah touched a lot, touched copiously by people, then you could observe how life begins in a way how life is transferred through the air and through the water to a completely remote place and then just watch it essentially evolve have a micro evolution i don't know what you would call it but but you can uh look at it almost like the galapagos islands beginning or something mm -hmm. um it's pr pretty cool so the, so yeah it's it's shut off from the world so that uh select few scientists just like the vault can go there and you know, perform experiments, keep uh, keep track of everything that's happening and how things are changing on the island. Yeah, they want to see especially how this is unique because scientists were able to prevent the public from ever yeah. going on to this land. So they're primarily focusing on watching how life arrives at this island and how it colonizes this island. And, you know, you make a fantastic point, Matt, if they can keep this situation going for long enough then they may begin to see different types of speciation that are yeah, uh, driven by the constraints of living on this island that has you know that's a new idea functionally it really is and one of the coolest things just in reading about the island are the number of birds that end up there the number of species of birds that end up there and like uh salamanders and other amphibians and just really interesting like it's so the, cool that how they life, get there. Yeah, like life just shows <laughs> up, man. 
<laughs> I know. It is amazing considering like the arduous journey they take. This is an island and these these bird it starts with like mold and bacteria and fungi and then all of a sudden there are plants and there are all these birds. It's awesome if you're a bird. There are no predators in this new land for now. Uh, and I'm still baffled by how how things that are not, you know, sea or flight worthy end up there. You know, yeah. it's, it's pretty fascinating. Sounds like I'd have a lovely time on this island. I think you would hate it. Co-mingling with my bird brethren. <laughs> Your birdren. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so that's that's an example. And those are so far we've described three scientific endeavors. But there's another realm that's a little more pop culture when it comes to restricted areas, uh, and that is corporate secrecy. Of course, there are plenty of corporate sites that restrict entry. You might work in a place that has, you know, a a storage unit or a server room or something like that that you're not allowed to go into because you're not the IT person. That makes sense. Totally. Um, I actually, I happened to, for a work-related thing a couple of years ago, end up at, I think it was A&W, or it was, it was some, like, soda company that also makes, like, you know, like, Gatorade-type drinks. And the, in their corporate offices, which is in, like, Dallas, Texas, they had a pretty serious security protocol just to get into where the meeting rooms are because also back there are the flavor labs where they're making all this like very like top secret intellectual property, which at the end of the day, that's what these recipes are, right? Yep. And that's where that's where it goes. That's where we arrive at one of the uh, most famous local examples of corporate restricted areas, which I think is pretty funny. It's the Coca-Cola company. They're oh, so yeah. extra. They keep their top secret recipe in a literal vault. And there's there's also, you know, the longstanding story that there are only three people who know the full recipe at any given time. They're not allowed on a plane together. Uh, the vault is definitely true. Since 2011, it's been in the in an Atlanta museum, the Coca-Cola Museum, and people can visit the museum every day. It's great if you love propaganda, uh, which I do. And uh, the the thing is, almost no one gets to go inside that vault. So that's another good reason, you know, like A and W, they're restricting access to their moneymaker. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you think that the thing that's in the vault is like a handwritten, like yellowed piece of paper that was originally written on by Mr. Coca-Cola himself, whomever that is? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was... <laughs> I was really hoping that was the case. I am not one of the people who can get into the vault, but I, I do like to imagine it, it looks, I don't want it to be just a sheet of paper, though that's funny. I would like it to be like a Indiana Jones's dad's grail diary. Yes. But it's all about soda, and I want it to be really weird and conspiratorial. Like, it's it's based on a grimoire. I want a soda grimoire. That's what I, that's what I want to be in that vault. Whoa. So Coke, if you're listening. Uh, so think about all the places in the world where Coca-Cola Classic is actually produced. It's produced in, a, in, in numerous factories, right? Yeah, yeah. If you're someone who works in that factory at the level of running the factory, maybe in the money of the factory, you could see what ingredients are being ordered to produce Coca-Cola Classic, right? Well, but isn't it like a concentrate that comes, you know, like the, the, the syrup or whatever? They don't, 
I, I, I don't know. Wonder. I don't I, know how they work there at Big Coca-Cola. <laughs> but, but here's the thing uh, with this. This is just a side note. Uh, in 2011, it appeared that the recipe may have been leaked, but not by a contemporary person, not like by an, a, a, a factory worker or not oh. by you know a chemist. It was found in this old leather notebook that belonged to Pemberton's best friend, another guy, chemist living in Atlanta named R.R. Evans. No relation to Robert, I assume. Uh, the notebook was handed down from generations to generations, and it has a recipe that includes an extract of coca leaves, caffeine, lots of sugar, lime juice, vanilla, caramel, and then a couple of other um, flavorings that are surprising, but they might, you know, they might Voltron up into, into soda. Wow. That's pretty cool. It's weird, but it's no, no confirmation from the idea of no confirmation that is the secret recipe. And also there's some marketing in there clearly because that recipe has changed over time. Mm -hmm. Obviously it doesn't have, (laughs) obviously it doesn't have some of the old ingredients. Right. But, uh, but those things that the corporate secrecy is relatively new. Um, The most, Historically speaking, the oldest um, existing restricted sites tend to be holy sites, by which we mean um, only certain groups are allowed in there uh, due to their perceived religious significance. Yes, and one of these examples is in Japan. It's called the Ise Grand Shrine, uh, and only members of the Japanese royal family are allowed to enter. It's really interesting that they... It goes through cycles of continual reconstruction uh, at steady increments. It's a really interesting place. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most sacred Shinto shrine in the country. It dates back to the third century. Uh, the legend is that it's home to this sacred mirror that was given to the first emperor of Japan by an actual deity, by the sun goddess. Uh, so it, it's strange because you can enter it. If you're one of the people rebuilding the shrine or if you're a member of the Japanese royal family. So uh, start evaluating your marriage prospects. uh, Good luck or get really, really good at carpentry and fluent in Japanese. And you know what? Be Japanese. That is your best chance. Yeah, that's your baseline. But that's, you know, that's also a part of a spiritual value system. So Mm -hmm. who are you as someone outside of that value system to say you know, I should be the exception. This is where we run into probably the most famous example of a restricted area due to religion, and that is Mecca. Mecca bars entry to any people who are not of the Muslim faith. And it's an enormously controversial, sticky situation because there are some people who, for one reason or another, have taken that as a challenge, right? And yeah. have said, I am going to, you know, try to fake convert to Islam, which seems pretty disrespectful, uh, or I am going to, you know, pretend to be someone I am not and get into Mecca. And then I'm going to take pictures of Mecca and release these pictures to the wild. Uh, that's pretty dangerous to mess yeah, with. Yeah, it is. I, 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 I understand, though, the kind of human nature 
impulse that maybe the moment you tell somebody they can't do something, that's the moment they decide they want to do that thing. Uh, when before they may have never even may have even never crossed their radar. But I would argue that those people um, <laughs> that are trying to uh, infiltrate the sacred space should probably not do that and are hmm. probably have some issues they need to contend with otherwise. Now, I I think I would agree with you guys. But what if we weren't talking about Mecca? What if we were talking about the Vatican archives? Because well, I kind of want people to get in there and like snoop around a little bit. No, I'm sorry. Don't do that. We well, can't. You can. <laughs> you can. They're just their reading system is really weird. We talked about that, right? We did. That- <laughs> I'm not talking about the place where you can go and read stuff. I mean, like really looking around. You know, uh, you want a free roam. No, they're not going to they're not going to let you do an open world sandbox vibe there. You have well, to know exactly what you're asking for. You have to know that it already exists and you kind of have to know where it is. All they you have do to do is become, easy. you know, a, a Vatican banker uh, and or Pope. So yeah. you should be good. I mean, somebody could do it. Just be the Pope. Start out being the Pope. Uh, so the baseline for that is right now um, you have to be a dude. Uh, so they're just like uh, being a member of the royal family of Japan. There are there are restrictions, and it you know it could be argued very easily that these sites are practicing discrimination. Right, whether or not you can visit these sites is dependent upon your social standing or your involvement in a belief system. But most of the rest of the world seems able to accept this situation. It's. It's an easy thing to accept, I think, for a lot of people. You'd say, why go out of your way to disrespect someone else's belief system for no other reason than what you want to you want to run up and, and just like start touching stuff? Again, I'm keeping this idea. I'm no. keeping the idea of tourists just like <laughs> licking their palms and rubbing <laughs> ancient sculptures. Uh, no, man, I, I just want to find out what's inside the Vatican archives. Come on. That's all. That's all. I feel like you're going to. Rub the books. <laughs> I, I look if I needed to. Actually, no. You know, I wouldn't because I'd be in there. You mm-hmm. know, oh, all you have um, to wear sneaky spy style. I would have gloves on to you know protect my identity. Isn't there a movie with this? Is the plot? Um, so many, I'm sure. <laughs> there's like I think I'd, there's a whole genre, right? I would imagine yeah. isn't isn't Da Vinci Code right? That's the genre. Yeah, it's Vatican, Vatican Treasure starring old Nick Cage. Nick Cage, but that was about stealing the Constitution, right? Um, which is another thing you probably shouldn't rub. Yeah, yeah, rub a copy. <laughs> so, also, last note on the Vatican, man, those books must smell amazing. You guys like the smell of old books? I very much do. I'm surprised that doesn't exist as a car air freshener. Oh, wow. That is a fantastic idea. Shh, cut that part out. <laughs> Keep Reminds it. me yeah. of Spencer when we were on Harmontown. Cut that part out. No, stop the podcast. Stop the podcast. <laughs> so, yes, uh, it is true. There are places like that. And if you, whether or not you follow that religion or, you know, insert belief system here, just as, you know, a matter of respect for your fellow human beings, you don't have to be a jerk about it. Don't have to. To be like, well, I'm not Muslim, but I am an architecture expert, so I should get to go. No, buddy, no. Be cool. There's and there's a similar thing uh, with wildlife protection. 
Uh, there's this is this is something that has become increasingly common in the modern era. There are multiple regions of Earth that are considered legally protected, specifically to give wildlife refuge from hunters and from the spread of human civilization. Places like Mare Mona in the Cook Islands. It's one of the world's largest protected marine areas in terms of in terms of just area, just the measurements, it's bigger than Mexico. It's a big deal and good on the Cook Islands for doing it. But believe it or not, even the even the idea of let's let's give animals a place to live, even that idea can be controversial because doing so can restrict the activities of businesses, things like commercial fishing, mining, oil drilling, uh, or you know, other forms of resource extraction. Who are these fish to stand in the way of progress, some would argue. But again, they're not always big swaths of oceans. Like A lot of them are closer to home, these wildlife protection sites or these places you can't enter to protect wildlife. Uh, One of them is a place that our crew got very close to a number of years ago, North Brother Island. Spoiler, we didn't make it. Yes, not North Sentinel Island. No, and not that creepy building in the middle of New York City in Manhattan. What was that one called? Uh, I think it's called the oldest house. Oh, that's it. That's what it is. The oldest house there in uh, Manhattan. Highly recommend checking it out. Uh, Be careful if you do enter because it seems to shift a little bit while you're inside and the whole no windows thing, but you'll be fine. Um just got to find some of those objects that are they they don't call them haunted what do they call them in there objects of power i can't remember yeah you'll you'll find out just go if you can uh but no north brother island is an actual place it's an actual island it's up there uh right near the bronx there's uh north brother island and south brother island and north brother island is a no go not allowed now north brother island used to be once upon a time uh, tremendously important to the city of New York. It was a former quarantine hospital for treatable diseases. Mm-hmm. That's right. And Ben, uh, you, you mentioned off air uh, a little trip that you and I took along with uh, Matt and Lauren Vogelbaum, um, where we were barred from uh, uh, going to check the spot out because of like a music video shoot of some kind? We were going to uh, Roosevelt Island to find a very similar abandoned structure. And we walked a, a pretty long way to the south end of the island only to find that Kanye West had decided to have an impromptu fashion show there. Oh, that's what it was, a fashion so, show. So our access was restricted Ah, because of his power. He's got all that power. How so much power. Um, Oh, but hey, this is something you might like, Noel. On North Brother Island, do you know what it is right now? No. It's a bird sanctuary. Ooh, what is up with all the secret bird sanctuaries? Well, it's a good official reason. I guess that's true. And look, birds should live. I get it. I'm not anti-bird to that level. I just don't know that I would want to spend time on a place where they were just running around willy-nilly because that's what they do. Yeah, and, you know, city birds are like city people. They can be surprisingly aggro sometimes. You know what I mean? Those those are some tough pigeons and seagulls. Uh, they did not come to play with us. Uh, but, yeah, 
those wildlife refuges, uh, they're a huge thing. And they're in, in this is interesting because for some of the more conspiratorially minded, some of these innocuous explanations, bird sanctuary, et cetera, et cetera, uh, they might be cover for less wholesome activities. But in general, what we've just described are examples of good reasons you can't go to certain places. And in each of the cases named above, you can see video footage of these places. Journalists have been in there. Filmmakers have been into, you know, the vaults, the caves, the islands, you name it. The thing is, there are other less wholesome restricted areas and probably more than you might imagine. What are we talking about? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Here's where it gets crazy. 
quick recap. We love this topic. We've we've talked about this in the past. Places like the former Harp facilities, right, where they're experimenting officially experimenting with the ionosphere up there in Alaska. Is that the high altitude oral? No, oral 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 research facility with a ph no uh it's 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 hank aaron's actual real patio (laughs) there there were were a lot of counterfeit patios really quickly i just noticed something that's never occurred to me before harp is just aarp with an h at the beginning oh okay so it's the holy uh american association of retired persons yes there are many directions that this uh rabbit hole could take us but uh surely it's not a coincidence or it may be absolutely totally is i was i was talking to some professor a while back who said something that really stuck with me uh and i won't give his name out but we're talking about geopolitics and timing of things domestic events that occur and he said uh, i always start off with the assumption that Coincidence in this sphere does not exist. And all I ask is that someone prove me wrong. Mm. And he's like, and I've built my career on that. Wow. Well, hey, I'll prove myself wrong. You ready, guys? HARP actually stands for High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program. And I knew that and I got it wrong, of course. Wow. That is so incredibly disrespectful to Hank Aaron's patio. <laughs> he's a sports legend. <laughs> and his patio. His actual real patio. Yeah, yeah. Well, we phoned that one in a little bit. But but you're right. Um, The thing about that kind of experimental facility uh, is that because of, due to the nature of its secrecy, people spread all sorts of rumors about what it's actually doing. And that also happens with things we've covered in the past, like closed cities in Russia and Asia and for a time in Tennessee. but then there also, there's also another thing, an existential crisis that we talked about, like isolated communities that risk extinction. They're exposed to the modern world, like North Sentinel Island. I think that's one that still captivates everybody because no one really knows what the population is up to, you know, or what their day-to-day lives or their beliefs are like. But yeah, well, the are- one thing's for sure, they're not thinking about us. Well, they are. They're thinking they do not want us around. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. But I think more so it's like, hey, here's our life. This is what we're doing. Sure, you guys stay over there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they occupy a really interesting space that we'll touch on later in this episode. the, The thing is, we've done episodes on all those. And, of course, the DMZ, which we could talk about all day. Also a bird sanctuary, by the way, Noel. But there are uh, (laughs) – Yeah, sorry, man. But that it's an accidental bird sanctuary mm. uh, just because they're less likely to hit all the landmines and humans aren't chasing them. <laughs> but it's true. Um, but the thing is, there are many, many, many more restricted areas and types of restricted areas, and they can get very strange. You'll often hear that places are restricted for your safety. Like uh, North Brother Island, one of the reasons – Uh, people are not allowed to just visit it willy-nilly, is that there are concerns that exploring the structures there would be unsafe. You know, like the floor might collapse, something might fall on you. Or in the case of Brazil's Ilha de Camada Granda, 
you might be bitten by snakes. As a matter of fact, you are statistically certain to be bitten by snakes unless you are straight up wearing armor when you go on this tiny island. This is the stuff of nightmares for a lot of people. You walk 10 feet, you are guaranteed to run into anywhere between, well, if you just stand, then there will be anywhere between one to five snakes in an immediate 10 square foot area of you. No. Yeah, well, some people want to get there. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, you feel so strongly about this. I mean, they're like super venomous snakes. I think they've got some of the most venomous snakes in the world on that island. Golden lance heads. Yes. Their bite will literally disintegrate human flesh. Nope. See, but it's the psychological urge, Matt. Some people hear that and they say, well, I want to go. And they're not even herpetologists, which are scientists that study snakes. They're just people who are like, I can do it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you know, I think this is what we need to do, guys. We need to have a reverse psychology campaign where it's a tourism campaign. Come to Snake Island. We dare you. And then anybody who will do it, just weed them out, guys. Call the herd. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, man. I'm just joking. You You are truly a monster, Matt. We got a big herd, though. I I see your point. But uh, there are also other sites that are restricted ostensibly for safety. Nuclear disaster sites, military exclusion zones, and then areas of the world vaguely classified as no-go areas. Right. Uh, For example, Fukushima is the site we probably most uh, recently associate with the nuclear disaster area. Uh, And it makes perfect sense. You don't you don't want to go there. Definitely. Hashtag too soon. Um, Visitors who spend too much time there can definitely be exposed to damaging amounts of radiation over time. Some of these sites are reopened to the public. In fact, some of these become nature preserves. As well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, For example, uh, there's a lot of uh, photos uh, of the Chernobyl site to to this day. And I believe it's a maybe it's not an official wildlife reserve, but isn't it a pretty thriving um, kind of rich uh, wildlife rich area? It's certainly been reclaimed. Yeah, you're absolutely right, guys, because um, there's this ongoing debate in Chernobyl uh, specifically about to what extent flora and fauna were affected by the contamination. And there are two big reasons that this happens. First, it gives scientists the ability to study the long tail effects of contamination on living organisms so they can see rates of mutation. As comic book as it sounds, that really is true. Uh, And then, just to your point, just like the DMZ, because there are fewer human beings running around, the populations of large mammals are increasing. So, yeah, it naturally becomes a wildlife preserve. Um, Like in the case of the DMZ, one of the big rumors, legends, the thing that we all kind of fox molder want to believe is the idea that there may be large uh, apex predator felines there. Tigers, um, unproven, unproven. And probably, honestly, they're probably not at the DMC just because that area of the world is so heavily surveilled. But I want it to be true. Oh, uh, I can yeah. imagine tiger bears emerging from Chernobyl. How cool would that be, right? All the strength of a, uh, all the strength of a bear and the cunning of a tiger. I don't know. I, I say that like tigers couldn't also clearly whip the snot out of 
99.9% of human beings, one-to-one unarmed PVP. But the, <laughs> but, but the other thing we should say is that, you know, like you said, Noel, over time, these sites do become less contaminated. So, for example, you can visit parts of Fukushima. The Fukushima exclusion zone is not the entirety of Fukushima. And residents who had to evacuate uh, due to the nuclear disaster, uh, many of them have been able to return to their homes. So, though nuclear disaster sites are legit and they they do slowly reopen at time, in a lot of cases, they're not necessarily hiding anything. After the original disaster hits and the inevitable cover-up uh, fails, which they always do, then the world is aware of these and experts visit you know, to measure radiation, to see the long-term effects of contamination on the ecosystem. Why can't people go there? You know, free world, right? If I want to go risk contamination to see a tiger bear, that's my life to live, big government. But the main issue really is kind of boring. It's liability. Imagine if you're Ukraine and you're just allowing anybody to visit Chernobyl, even though it's not safe. Uh, before the radiation has begun to dissipate or diminish, people are going to start coming to you and saying, hey, I got cancer from hanging out at Chernobyl and you let me. Oh, yeah, you could totally see something like that happening. It would make sense. So another entry in this kind of category of, uh, of forbidden places would be military exclusion zones, Ben, which you mentioned a little while ago. Um, there, this, this again makes sense. There's a lot of dangerous things that civilians would not want to be exposed to, but also secrets. Um, and so there are quite a lot of these military uh, restricted zones throughout the world. Some are temporary um, and some are quite disturbingly permanent. Um, military installations, you got to have lots of clearances. You know the drill. If you've ever been to a military base, even, it's like visiting like a Hollywood movie studio. You have to check in with the guy at the the little turnstile, and you have to be on a list of some kind. You have to show um, identification and then be cleared and, and have like a contact that you're visiting, and then they'll let you through. Um, but you have to go to the specific place that you're going. It's not like you can just like roam around free. So... You know, a lot of these facilities have attracted lots of interest and speculation, like, for example, places like Area 51, which, as we know, there was a big kind of mass uh, visitation of Area 51 recently that I think ended up being a little more underwhelming than what the press would have had us believe. Isn't that right, Ben? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's where you saw uh, people doing the very specific running meme with their arms back. To yeah, the, the, the Naruto run. Yeah, the Naruto run. Uh, that that became kind of a a shared online meme slash stunt. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember how many people did actually show up to Groom Lake or Area Fifty One on on that particular day, um, but they were very ill informed in doing so. The government is legally allowed to murder you. Uh, if you go past the signs, they will give you a warning. But if you keep going, they can shoot you. I think there were more, you know, I'd want to look at the numbers, but I think there were more people at the newest meme gathering, which was the now infamous Battle of the Joshes. You guys heard about that. We talked about that, right? That was, or no, maybe maybe we didn't, but I, we've discussed it maybe off off mic. But it ended up being like a like a pool noodle fight or something. Mm hmm. Maybe use those fun doodles or whatever they're called. Who won? Josh. I got some guy named Josh. 
Uh, so it's, uh, which thank you, Matt. That that was such a gift. That setup. Uh, so, so yeah, we have to have these exclusion zones. But then there are other places. That, everything we mentioned is is a place that is known. It's on a map somewhere. It is officially acknowledged and allowed to exist. But there are other places, quite a few of them, like black sites or like research stations in remote parts of the globe. These can go decades with their existence or purpose never being officially acknowledged. And the logic here is kind of sound. It's much harder to find a place if you don't know where it is, what it's built for, or whether it really exists. Yeah. Governments generally try and keep their torture dungeons off limits to people or hidden. Which is what we know black sites can be used for. Not always. Sure. <laughs> but the, uh, you're right. You're right. They, they are black sites or black boxes, you know, in terms of information. We only learn about what goes on there, what laws are being broken uh, when it's a little too late to save the people involved or the victims, you know, who can be innocent. Right. Then we have this other thing called no go areas. No-go areas are going to be familiar to everyone in, in the audience today because you would probably live somewhere where there wasn't like a, a law that said thou shalt not, you know, go north of uh, Greenwich Avenue and 52nd or whatever. I'm just making things up. I hope that's not a real neighborhood. If it is, sorry, guys. Uh, you've heard of no-go areas maybe uh, being described as the bad part of town the wrong side of the tracks. A no-go area is often, a, the most general way to describe it is a place that has restrictions, whether legal or informal, that prevent outsiders from entering and or uh, you know fears that if you visit there and you are not welcome, you are putting your life at risk. And there's a Venn diagram here. It's pretty interesting, like Sentinel, North Sentinel Island is both legally a protected area and then locally acknowledged as a definite no-go. Everybody living on the islands around North Sentinel Island, they all know, and none of them want to visit. They they know the score, uh, you know, decades, centuries before uh, that unfortunate missionary visited on his well-intentioned but ill-informed um, mission. I was just thinking about no-go zones and... You guys know the, I, I don't even know what it is. It's not a switching station. It's a huge train station area in kind of midtown, downtown Atlanta, right there by, is it DeKalb Avenue, where it's just tons and tons of rail, railroad tracks oh, yeah. stretching far out. I'm just thinking about how much of a no-go zone that is legally and uh, safety-wise. Yeah, well, you know what's interesting there, Matt? That goes into... God, I still want to do a series called Invisible America or Underground America. That goes in there. There is a group of people, a migratory population who uses the, those trains as their primary mode of travel. And that they have, I've talked to some of those folks and they have stories about uh, how to get in and out of those places. Stuff gets dicey, stuff gets hairy. Um, but yeah, they are no go zones, but I think we can get it. I cannot officially, we cannot officially on this show say it's easier to get into those places than you think. We cannot officially say that. But uh, I'm sure we have, I would not be surprised if we have 
uh, some fellow listeners in the audience who have personal experience with this, or maybe on some freight as we speak. If that's if that's the case, stay safe out there, folks. Uh, don't let the bulls find you. And so you're right. There, your city has a bunch of no-go areas. Your town has no-go areas. And you'll often, the thing is, in recent years, you'll, you'll hear this phrase used in a politically charged context. Uh, there were these persistent rumors and claims that f- the government of France had at some point quietly kind of admitted defeat in areas of some cities, and they had told law enforcement and first responders, hey, these places are now no-go zones. They are for the Muslim community only, and they function under Sharia law. Luckily, that turned out to be more fear-mongering and alarmism, Islamophobia than anything else. But it might surprise some folks in the audience to learn that these claims have been made in other countries, including the U.S., there have been, you know, uh, somewhat hyperbolic pundits going on air and saying like, well, this blah, blah, so-and-so has taken over. In pretty much every case, that turned out not to be true. It turned out to be greatly exaggerated, luckily. But the idea of no-go zones defined as a place where local authorities refuse to enter, that is very much true. And that occurs in places across the world from the border, like parts of the Kenyan-Somalia border and favelas in Brazil, uh, which are, you know, very economically deprived places where the functioning government is going to be uh, criminal in nature. But after we've seen this panoply of real-life restricted places with a lot of truth to them, uh, we're gonna, we've got to pause for a word from our sponsor and go to one last interesting thing, something with a twist. Stay tuned. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. 
It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. And we have returned, as promised, it gets weirder. There are, apparently, some areas of the world that are restricted, not due to fears of religion, not due to fears of, you know, crime or nuclear contamination, but instead, these areas of the world are restricted due to supernatural concerns. That's right, folks. You heard us correctly. Supernatural concerns. Sounds like the opening of a horror story, but there are actually a few sites that appear to restrict access due to, get this, the presence of ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, there's this place called Bangar Fort. I think that's how you would say it. It's in India. And (laughs) you, you can go there during regular, let's say, business hours. You can hang around, you can hang out there, but if you want to go when it's dark, you have to secure a government permit. And it's basically, I don't know, for me, it's to keep track of who's going to die tonight. I'm just joking. That's not what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. You waive your right to life when you sign the permit. Uh, Yeah, maybe the permit considers you legally dead. You're allowed yeah. to enter. Well, uh, and they have something to recover once once you, you know, become non-corporeal on the site. Yeah, it's so interesting because it is the way it's phrased is specifically before dawn or after sundown. And you know, at first blush, this could be a this could be a policy of almost any common public park, right? A lot of parks have hours that are delineated uh in terms of the clock, or they just simply say, you know, the park is closed at sunset. Mm -hmm. But this place is different. It's pretty old. It was built in 1573. A famine struck in 1783. It has been uninhabited ever since. And there are a lot of local legends about the place. Some nearby villages don't even bother making rooftops. Whoa. What? Yeah, there's this superstition or a common belief we should call it that the moment a rooftop is built on a house that's too close to the fort the roof will inexplicably collapse and normally this would just be a fun 
regional tall tale, right? Like Mothman or something. But this is ancient. It's been around for a while. And the government of India went official with its warning. That's really intense, man. I tell you what this reminds me of. It's something that some people know about, but it is very regional. Um, I grew up in a town called Augusta, Georgia, and um, not terribly far from there, there's a place called Murphy Village where a group um, of individuals live that are they refer to themselves as Irish travelers. Um, not exactly sure what their exact background is, but they live in a compound um, and they uh, are sort of, they do odd jobs. They'll look like go on the road and, you know, do house painting jobs. And they're sort of a little bit notorious for being kind of hucksters and trying to put one over on people. And y'all, you see often groups of them, like at the local mall or like movie theater, they, they have a certain look, they, they dress a certain way. Um, they have very large hair, <laughs> very like, seems like they're from the eighties kind of like stuck in time um, or unstuck in time rather. Uh, but, you are not outsiders are not permitted in, in Murphy village. Um, I've known some friends that tried to, you know, pop in just to take a look at the houses uh, and they were chased out uh, very violently um, with like gun, guns and stuff. But one thing that they do there is they build houses and they live in trailers behind them for a year or more. Um, and they cover the windows in tinfoil. Um, and, and it's meant to exercise the evil spirits of some kind um, to keep them from, you know, in, inhabiting the house. So they build these houses and they don't live in them for a year. They literally live in like almost like a camp type situation out back. Uh, and they have all these like special things they do, um, ritualistic kind of things. And then they, you know, move into the houses after the, this acceptable cleansing period has uh, passed. Interesting, temporarily supernaturally restricted areas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, permanently restricted to us, but exactly the houses there are, are restricted for a time for anybody to, to enter. So you could argue that what it has in common with Bangar Forts is the idea of architecturally based superstition. Um, but you get to have a roof. You yeah. should get a roof. It does yeah. come with a roof. Um, but what what i was what i was getting at when i said the government of india went official with these warnings is that there are signposts uh, that have explicit instructions and if you translate from the hindi it says the following entering the borders of bangar before sunrise and after sunset is strictly prohibited legal action will be taken against anyone who does not follow these instructions wait for it be warned before you step in the ghost town of india that's a little tantalizing for a official government warning. Ooh. They know what they're doing with that warning. Now you and me and everybody else, we have to go now. Well, we also can consider ourselves warned. They've done their due diligence. So, mm -hmm. Well, also, we don't, none of us uh, speak or read Hindi. So we can always pull the dumb tourist thing, which I am sure they love. Oh, sorry, officer. I didn't know I couldn't do that. Nice. <laughs> Right. I think that I think that was always a good observation. But there's another place. This isn't the only place over in Italy, less than half a mile from Venice. There's a island called the Poviglia Plague Island, and it also has a sinister spectral reputation. If you are a fan of the um, the reality shows that pretend to investigate paranormal activities and ghosts. You know, the ones that take like a WWE approach uh, to plunging the depths of the unknown, then you've probably seen something about this plague island. 
From 1793 to 1814, it was used as what's called a lazaretto, uh, which was a plague quarantine station. Uh, this was kind of similar to North Brother Island, but what they were doing is uh, they were taking people who were sailing in to Venice, and because of fears of the plague, they were taking them in and they were holding them in a way that's similar to uh, the mandatory two-week quarantine that was imposed on international travelers uh, during the, the heyday of COVID. It's a good idea, but we also have to consider the plague uh, is a completely different uh, infection in comparison to COVID. And that meant that a lot of people who showed up at this lazaretto were on their last legs. They were in late stages of the plague when they set off. Yeah, uh, it's estimated that 160,000 infected individuals uh, lived out their final days uh, and hours even there. So there's a lot of rumor that about 50% of the soil there consists of human remains. Um, this makes me think of those uh, like uh, leper colonies a little bit. And, you know, over the years, there have been investigations at this and other lazarettos, uh, places where quarantine facilities, essentially, are areas. And uh, there were discoveries that there were mass graves in many of these areas. And this one, at least at the time of this recording where we're talking to you right now, it is yet to be fully investigated. So they haven't dug up a ton of the soil and actually done a lot of testing there to check those rumors about human remains or to find graves, mass graves, or any kind of graves. But um, we did, as you mentioned, Ben, paranormal shows love it. Um, I don't, I can't remember if Ghost Adventures has been there. The one where they're like, hey, ghost, come on, ghost. You trying to strong arm a ghost? You got to sweet talk those sweet babies. You can't just yell at them. That's not cool. Hey, bro. Hey, come on, bro. What? I'm right here, bro. I'm right come, here. Come at me, ghost. What was that? What was that? Commercial. Yeah, that was the, that was the sound of your toxic masculinity res, resonating through the space. So the, um, the thing is, when it's important to note here, uh, it is considered the, quote, most haunted site in Italy, uh, but that, that's by the true believers. But when we're talking about investigations of other lazarettos, we're talking about scientific investigations, archaeologists are inv are excavating these sites it's not it, it's not like a ghost hunter thing no but you know if you are the average tourist citizen or curious explorer entering this island is absolutely forbidden ghost or no and here we draw to a close this is just scratching the surface fellow conspiracy realists each of the genre of classified area we've explored today could well be the subject of its own episode in the future. And this brings us to you. What do you think? And what are, in your opinion, some of the world's most dangerous sites? Well, what are the most obscure? Are authorities correct to restrict access to these areas? And perhaps most importantly, what forbidden sites would you like to visit and why? Yeah, particularly if you know of something local to your area, that we didn't mention in this episode, we would love to hear about it and in as much detail as possible. That would be fantastic. My goodness. You can reach us on Twitter and Facebook where we're Conspiracy Stuff, on Instagram, Conspiracy Stuff Show. You can find us on YouTube, also Conspiracy Stuff. 
And if you don't like the social media or YouTube, which you should like YouTube, um, you can always give us a call. We have a phone number. That's right. It's one eight three three stdwytk Leave a message at the sound of Ben's uh, sweet, sweet voice. And uh, you got three minutes. And after that three minutes, you're going to get cut off. So do your best to stick to that. If you want to go over and tell us something additional outside of the story, please do that via email where you can reach us at conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. CNN.